morning. It is good to see you guys today. I always love getting together to worship with you all. Um, I've got a lot that I want to get into this morning, so I'm just going to jump into it right away. Um, if you've been with us, you know we're going through this Bride of Christ series. If you haven't been with us, we're going through a Bride of Christ series. Um, and through, what I mean by that is we're looking at these aspects of what is it that makes the church the church, okay? So as the church, it's not a building, it's you guys, it's us, this gathering of believers uh, that have been brought together to follow Jesus. And uh, that's happened, how that has happened is through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. We are Christians because of our faith. Uh, we have faith that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins, believing that he paid the, the penalty for our sins, and that's what reunites us back to God. It's by God's grace entirely through our faith. Now, as we're brought into that state as Christians, then the question becomes, okay, how do we live? The things that we're talking about here are not things that where it's like, oh, okay, uh, do this and God will accept you. It's more, you, God, has, God has already wooed you. God has already made his proposal to you. God has already uh, offered to make you his bride. We, we read about that a couple weeks ago, this idea uh, that he, he gave himself up for us so that we would be a bride that's without spot or blemish. So now that we are that bride, if you are a Christian, you are that bride, the question is, how do we live in light of that? How should we live? And so what should be the defining characteristics that mark the everyday lives of Christians? And so those are some of the things we've been going through. Uh, the past couple weeks, we talked about two different W words, because I'm going through this acronym, WIFE. Uh, so we talked about word, that we need to be people who are grounded in the word of God, that that's need to, that needs to be what educates us on uh, really everything pertaining to our worldview and how we understand God. And then we also talked about worship last week, and we saw this idea that what we just did and singing is worship, but also that anything we do can be worship. Uh, when we come with an attitude where we have thankfulness to God and where we're submitting to God, we have the opportunity to worship him in all that we do. Right? We read that verse where it says, then whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. That worship is about glorifying God. So as you guys are sitting here listening to this sermon, as long as you don't fall asleep, and, and you engage, you have the opportunity to actually be worshiping the Lord through your learning here, which is pretty cool. Now, okay, so today we're going to move on to the letter I, which stands for intercession, okay? Now, intercession is just a fancy word for prayer. Um, it is a, specifically intercession is actually prayer on the behalf of others, but we're just going to use this to, this morning to be talking about prayer in general, which is an absolutely massive topic. Prayer is, um, you, you'd be amazed actually how much prayer is in the Bible, which you'd say, well, of course it is. It's like one of the main things you do, but it's like even more than you would think. If you go through, I'm actually going through the, the Bible again this year, and uh, I'm highlighting every single time that I see something about prayer. I'm going to, it's going to be exciting to see how many times that comes up. But anyway, uh, this is a massive topic. There's no way uh, that I'm going to be able to cover everything there is to know about prayer, not even close this morning. And frankly, it's a mysterious topic too. There's a lot of questions I think that we all have relating to prayer. In some ways, it's this really simple thing where it's like, oh, well, you just talk to God. But then there's also all these questions that I, I think most of us have about prayer if it's something that you've given much thought to. And so it's a mysterious topic. I, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have the answers to every question that you may have, uh, but I do have some answers. Through, uh, I've studied the, studied the word a lot concerning prayer. I've prayed a lot in my life, and um, I'm excited to at least be able to share some of what I've learned through studying the Bible and through my experiences with prayer uh, to, to help us as a church grow in this area. 
So what I've been wanting to do with every sermon in this series is really answer three big questions. Which first is, what, it, what is it that we're talking about? So for this morning, what is prayer? And then I want to say, why is it important? And then finally, how do I pray? I hope that you leave here with a good practical understanding of how you can build some habits of prayer into your life and how you can do this effectively. So I would ask you right now, actually, to pray with me that I do an adequate job on this because I need it. Uh, this, is a, this is a huge topic. So let's pray together and just come before God and ask him to speak to us this morning. God, we thank you for being with us. And we thank you for opening the line of communication with us. God, we thank you uh, for this gift that we call prayer. Lord, we ask that you would just come before us this morning, that you would teach us, Lord. Let us learn from your word. I pray that you would help us to learn from uh, the experiences of people in our midst uh, that have just gotten to know you in such a deep and rich way through prayer. God, I pray that you'd speak to us this morning and uh, just draw us closer to you. Let us move into a relationship that's uh, deeper and deeper in love with you, God. We thank you for who you are, and uh, we pray this in the awesome name of your son, Jesus. Amen. By the way, if you ever wonder why we talk about praying in the name of Jesus, you'll hear that this morning. Um, but anyway, okay, so this is, let's get down to this question. What is prayer? Prayer is something that most Americans do. Uh, it's pretty popular, actually. A Pew Research study found that 55% of Americans actually pr say that they pray every day. Um, we also found that uh, only, yeah, do you even pray, bro? Yeah. Um, you, you can laugh at that, it's okay. So <clears throat> only 23% of Americans said that they seldom or never pray. And uh, one of the things that I actually found really interesting was that uh, even amongst Americans that don't affiliate with any religion, 20% of them said that they pray every day. I found that stat to be particularly interesting, but I also found it to be pretty consistent with what I've experienced in my life. Because I've noticed that even with people that, that don't believe in the same God that I believe in or don't worship him, uh, oftentimes if I offer to pray for them, I, I'm very rarely rejected. Like people even that, that don't believe in what I'm doing, uh, for some reason appreciate it when I, I want to pray with them. Uh, as a matter of fact, there was one friend in college that I had, I, I ran this Bible study in my dorm, and uh, there was this group of skeptics, I was in the, uh, the honors dorm, and there was this uh, group of skeptics that would kind of like to hang out in this area all the time, but for some reason, they, they loved coming to our Bible study, and uh, they would, would come, and there was this one time that we prayed, and this guy who was not a believer was like, the room felt different when you guys were praying. Like, he was just aware of the fact that something was going on, even though he didn't really know what it was. Uh, I had another friend in college who uh, was telling me a story. He said, you know, I have this friend uh, that's not a believer, but he asked me to pray for him. It's like, why do you ask me to pray for you when you don't even believe in what I believe? He said, well, when you pray, things happen. So, uh, like, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like people believe in, in some level on prayer oftentimes, even if they don't really have a very good understanding of it. And I think there's a good reason for that, which is basically prayer is attractive to us because intrinsically we know that we are more than just physical beings. 
Uh, we have an intrinsic knowledge that we are more than just a conglomeration of cells. Uh, we know that our, our hopes, our dreams, our desires, and our passions are more than just chemical reactions that are going on in our brains. Now, of course, there are some people that don't believe this, but I would say that by and large throughout the world, the vast majority of people have some sort of understanding, even if they can't grasp it fully, that we are spiritual beings. That there is some sort of a soul, spirit, something uh, beyond just this physical body that we have. And by extension, that means that there is some sort of a spiritual world beyond just the physical one that we can see. This is something that God has made evident to us naturally. Now, as Christians, we have a developed, a much more developed, much more accurate understanding of what this spiritual world is. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't assume that just because someone is outside of Christ, that they're not aware of it existing. They may just not have a very accurate understanding of it. And so this is why it's actually not surprising to me that prayer is as popular as it is. Because prayer is the way that we communicate with this spiritual world. There's something inside of us that realizes that, that, that we want to reach out beyond just what we see, that we want to connect in some way with what we believe to be our creator. And the Bible makes it very clear that we have the opportunity to do that. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is every time we pray, we get the opportunity to reach beyond just this physical world that we oftentimes feel trapped in and, and go before God communicate with God who is spirit. It's really an incredible practice, actually. As I say, it's, it's simple to define. Prayer is simply, simply defined as communication with God. It's, it's really uh, not, not that uh, complex, but it, it, it's something that is incredibly amazing that goes on every time that we pray. Do we believe that there's actually a God on the other side of that that hears what we're saying? Think about how amazing that is that we would have communication with him. I want you to think, who's, who's the most famous, powerful, influential person that you've ever met? You know, for most of us in this room, you probably haven't ever actually seriously talked to even a legitimate celebrity that most people would, would know. Um, you know, maybe you've seen him at a concert or shook a hand or something like that. Uh, for me, I actually had the opportunity to meet a guy that's a, a pretty big celebrity, especially if you're a sports fan. I got to spend some time with Ken Griffey Jr. when I was a kid. Yeah, that's, so that's me there in the red shirt, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's my dad there on the left, that's my grandpa on the right, and then that's my cousin, Mike. Obviously, that's Ken Griffey Jr. in the middle. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I, I got to meet him because my cousin had uh, won this Ritz cracker competition. You know, those things, it's like, get the special box and you win this thing. Well, anyway, he won this thing, believe it or not. And uh, we got to go out down, it was uh, Riverfront Stadium, it was called Synergy Field at the time. Uh, and uh, we got to go down to the stadium and actually like hit balls with Ken Griffey Jr. and stuff. It was, it was pretty fun. We got to, he signed autographs and stuff and got to hang out with him a little bit. So that, that was pretty cool, right? But um, for me to be able to do that, my cousin had to win a Ritz cracker competition. Like it wasn't easy. And uh, I didn't get his cell phone number. So Ken and I have fallen out of contact with each other. Um, yeah, it's, it's a shame. It's, I don't know how to get a hold of him anymore. But uh, yeah, so... The thing is, like, it's, it was difficult for me to get into contact even with somebody who is pretty famous and influential, but, like, he's just another guy. Like, and, and I couldn't, I had no access to him outside of my cousin miraculously winning a Ritz cracker competition. Um, think about this. How much greater is it that for the God of the universe, God Almighty, far more powerful, far more influential, all we have to do is start speaking to him? 
right? Like that, that, that's incredible that we have that kind of access to God. And, and, you know, there's no magic formula or words that you have to say. You don't even have to pay a phone bill. You get free unlimited plan to God. It's great. Better than Verizon. Um, but, but in all serious though, the bill for you to be able to connect with God, there is actually a bill. It just wasn't paid by you. And you see, the connection between you and God is broken by sin. And that when we as sinful human beings rebel against God, which we, you might say, oh, I don't rebel against God. Yeah, you do. Every time that you do anything that's contrary to what God has said, you're rebelling against him. And so God, who is perfect and holy, which is a good thing, right? He's completely incorruptible. He says, I'm not going to let sin in my presence. I'm not going to let sin go unpunished. But he loves us. And he wants us to be connected. So he said, I'm going to take it upon myself to close this gap and to make it so that you can be connected together again with me. So the, the cell phone bill, so to speak, is paid, but it's paid by Jesus Christ. As uh, God literally he, he comes, he walks among the earth in the flesh. We talked about this all last semester, who Jesus is. He lives a perfect life. He dies on the cross for our sins. And when he's doing that, there's something very significant that happens there. He's paying the price to close the gap between us and God. Because God is a just God who says he will punish all sin. So that means that either you're going to get punished for your sin or somebody else will. And so that's what Jesus does is he stands in the gap and he takes the punishment for us that we deserve. And as our sin is erased, Jesus' blood washes our sin away. That allows us to be brought back into relationship with God. That is the gospel. That message right there is the essence of Christianity. Everything in the Bible points to that message. Everything that we study and preach, everything that we live for should be related back to marveling at that wonderful news that we have been reconnected with God. And, and so while now we have the opportunity to come before him and to speak to him because of the price that Jesus paid on our behalf. You see, in, in the Old Testament, um, they, they worshiped God a little bit differently. It's the same God, but they, they didn't have everything that we know now. They knew, though, that their sin caused a problem, and they knew that their sin separated from them from God, and, and God made that very clear to them. So they had this temple in Jerusalem, and uh, there was a very holy place, and it's called the Holy of Holies. It's where the, the Ark of the Covenant with the Ten Commandments and stuff, it sat in there, and God had them make this curtain, this big veil. It was a, a heavy-duty curtain, and it separated the rest of the temple from this area where God said his presence would literally dwell amongst the Israelites, and nobody was allowed to go into this room. There was only one time a year the high priest, which was the the highest office of the priesthood for the Israelites, one time a year could go into this room. And do you know what he did when he went and entered into that room? He would go and he would literally sprinkle blood. You see, they, they would sacrifice animals at the temple. And so he would go and he would sprinkle the blood of these animals. And what that was doing was saying, God, we know that we're guilty of sin before you. And we know that our sin is worthy of death, worthy of punishment, right? That's the first thing God told Adam and Eve is, if you sin, you will surely die. We understand that the penalty for sin is death. And so what the priest would do is he would go and he would sprinkle this blood in, inside of the Holy of Holies. And what that was showing was that by the blood of this sacrifice, we are forgiven. Now, the blood of those animals could never truly forgive sin. But what they were pointing forward to was the ultimate sacrifice that would come with Jesus Christ, who would allow us to be reunited with God. And this is why in Hebrews chapter 10, we read this. Therefore, brothers, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus... 
By a new and living way, he has opened for us through the curtain, that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed in pure water. Man, so this is, this is the message here. It's like, you can come before God in prayer because of the way that Jesus has cleansed you. Now I hope that you're starting to see what an incredible gift this is. Yet, although prayer is such an incredible gift, if we're honest with ourselves, we really neglect it a lot, don't we? I know we just had Christmas, and uh, I always love watching kids open their Christmas gifts because uh, you get them something maybe that's really cool, but oftentimes they're more excited about the box or the wrapping paper or something like that, and they kind of neglect this really amazing gift that you've given them. And I think that's what we do with prayer sometimes is that we neglect this beautiful gift that God has given us to be able to communicate with him. And so we have to ask, if prayer is so amazing and so wonderful, why is it that we neglect it so often? And I think there are a lot of reasons for this, but I'll give you two for right now. One is that we have spiritual opposition. So the, the Bible makes this very clear, and this is something that we don't like to think about very much in the United States. As a matter of fact, if you don't read your Bible very much, you would probably forget a lot of the time that the Bible talks about this a lot, that there is a, a spiritual world and that there are spiritual forces of darkness, that we have an enemy called Satan who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He's been a deceiver from the beginning. He likes to confuse, and he wants to stop us from connecting with God. And so naturally, Satan wants to tempt us to think that prayer is not important. He wants to, to uh, draw out the idea that, that it's difficult. He wants to make us doubt its effectiveness. He wants to make us think that we've always got to do something else rather than pray. He makes us maybe even want to feel guilty about time that we do spend in prayer. There is spiritual opposition that we have to doing this. But I think that another reason for why we don't pray often is because we don't really understand it. We have a lot of questions about it. I mean, I, I at least know that this is true for me. Right? And, and uh, tell me if you can relate. To, well, you don't have to tell me. This is rhetorical. But it, it, I think a lot of you can probably relate to this thought process, which is God already knows what I need, so what's the point in praying in the first place? Right? Like the Bible literally already says that. Uh, Jesus says it himself, Matthew 6 8, your father knows the things you need before you ask him. And so naturally that leaves us in a spot where it's like, um, okay. Yeah, what, what really is the point? That's great news that God knows what we need before we ask him, by the way, because that means that if I'm forgetful, he, he, it's not like, oh, I forgot to tell God this. He already knows I need it. That's good, right? And he also knows the things that I need that sometimes I don't. Sometimes we don't even know the things that we need, but God already does. And the Spirit prays for those things for us too. But the, the first thing I would say to combat this idea is that prayer is not just about getting things. And I think that's a very unhealthy view that most of us have, is that when we view prayer, we, we really think that it's just about getting things, and it's not. Um, prayer is about us building our relationship with the Lord. Now, there is an aspect of bringing requests, and we'll get to that in a second. But prayer, what did I say before? It's communication with God. So he, he's served us in a, a way that, that we uh, can come and just get to know him as we spend time in prayer, right? We're doing this series called Bride of Christ. That's how Jesus sees us, as his, as his bride. Now, how many of you would like to have a marriage where the only time that you communicate with your spouse is when you're asking them to do something for you? Anybody want that kind of marriage? No, no takers? Okay, I didn't think so, right? But, but yet, we oftentimes view our relationship with God like that. The only reason I have to talk to God is if I need him to do something for me. 
Well, that is, that is a terrible marriage, and, and I hope that none of you find yourself in one like that. So if, if we reduce prayer to nothing more than, than a Christmas list, nothing more than a list of requests, then we'll never really understand its true value. If you do want a good marriage, here's some of the things that you'll do. You'll actually talk to one another. You'll spend time with them. You'll share your experiences. You'll, you'll talk about what's going on in your day. Hopefully, you'll compliment your spouse quite often. Cassie and I have a really good marriage. We compliment each other a lot. I love telling her how awesome she is, right? And guess what? I love telling my God how awesome he is, right? So, so that, that, well, that's one of the cool things that we get to do in prayer is just celebrate God. Just, just spend time with him, right? Like, you realize you're not wasting time when you do that. I hope you do, that you're not wasting time when you do that. And, you, and those of you that have been in a relationship with someone that you love, you get that. It's like, when you just spend time with them, you're not wasting time, even if there's not anything productive that's getting done. So prayer, in many ways, is for us to build our relationship with God. And now, don't take all this to mean that you can't ask for God uh, to do things for you in prayer. God does want us to ask him for things, okay? Uh, one of the other relationships we see that we have with God is that he's our father. And so oftentimes with this dynamic of prayer, we see uh, good fathers want their kids to ask them for stuff, okay? They don't want that to be the only thing they do, but if their child has a need, they're happy to have the child come before and ask him for it, right? The Bible actually tells us on several occasions, on many occasions, that we should ask God for things. Look at what James uh, chapter 1 verse 5 says, now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. If you lack wisdom, ask God for it, right? Look at what Philippians 4 6 says, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You're not bothering God when you bring your requests. Matter of fact, if you looked in uh, Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, uh, there's a lot of requests that are being made in that prayer. There's quite a few. They're, they're asking, you know, lead me not into temptation, deliver me from evil. Those are requests that are being made. Even things like uh, your kingdom come, your will be done, even that is a request. It's a great request. Um, even down to the things that, that are most base, like give us this day our daily bread. Jesus literally taught us, pray to God for provision. It's okay to do that. He wants us to do that. So uh, th this kind of brings us back to that, thing, that question of, okay, well, what, what's, I, I get what you were saying about the whole relationship building, but what's the point about the request part? Because God already knows that we need it. Well, to that I would say, um, despite the fact that God already knows what you need, he still wants you to ask. I think there's a good reason for this. Um, have you ever been in a situation before where you can see that somebody clearly needs help, uh, but they're being stubborn and they refuse to ask for it, okay? I'm not talking about the, oh, someone is standing in the road and there's a car coming and they don't see it. Certainly you spring into action and take care of it, right? Because they're unaware of the fact that they have a need. And God does that for us a lot. God will, God will oftentimes take care of needs that we don't even see coming. But there are other times where out of our own pride and stubbornness, we choose not to ask for help even though we need it. You see this with kids all the time. They're clearly unable to do things. I, I go to... Uh, vacation, my, every other year my family takes this vacation down to Orange Beach, Alabama, and we stay in this beautiful condo, and it has these really, really heavy sliding glass doors, uh, and kids cannot open them. And it, it, every time we get there, the kids still want to go do it on their own, which I'm all for. I want kids to learn how to do their own things, right? But it, it gets to a point where they're pulling, and they're pulling on this door, and they just can't do it. 
But I wait for them to ask me for help. Why? Because I, I want them to learn that there are certain times where when you can't do something, you need to ask for help. And why is it that we hate to do that? Because we're prideful. And so what, what does prayer do? Prayer starts to eat at our pride. It wrecks us. It, 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 prayer in and of itself is by nature humbling. Because what you're doing is you're coming before God and you're saying, I, I can't do this. I need you. I can't provide for myself. I need you to provide for me. I, I, I can't deliver myself from evil. I, I need you to do that for me. Whatever it is, you, you put yourself in a state of humility before God saying, Lord, I need you to act. And so prayer in and of itself is a humbling experience and God builds our character through it. And I've seen that to be very true in my life. Um, if, I, if I'm not praying much, I'm usually uh, struggling a lot with pride. If I'm praying a lot, amazingly, I start to become more humble. Now, we've seen that prayer is not just submitting a, a Christmas list to Santa Claus. Okay? It's not just requests. Um, we see that it has intrinsic value of us getting to know God better. It has intrinsic value of the very act of it being something that humbles us. But here's the other thing, too, is that for all of the benefits that the act of prayer even has for us practicing it, it also does actually change outcomes. And the Bible makes this very clear, uh, that, that prayer can change outcomes. There, I could take you to a lot of different scriptures to show this. Uh, for the sake of time, I have to just select one. So I think that this is a really good example. If you go to the book of Exodus, what's happening is uh, the Israelites had been in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. And God delivers them miraculously out of slavery. But, and this man named Moses is the one who he selects to lead them out. So they, they come out in this crazy way, all these plagues, he splits a sea, they walk through it, all this kind of stuff. And so they go out into the desert, and God calls Moses up onto a mountaintop. And, and God wants to communicate with Moses there, it's where he would give him the Ten Commandments. But Moses is there for a while, and, and I couldn't blame him, I'd want to stay there for a while too. But... Um, as he's up there, the Israelites start to think, well, we don't know what happened to that guy, right? And you can kind of understand where they were coming from, too, because it was a terrifying thing. There was smoke and thunder and, and all this kind of stuff, so maybe they thought he died up on the mountain, but whatever. Uh, they're down there, and they're like, well, we don't know what became of him, so uh, we're just going to start doing our own thing. So they build this golden calf, and they start to worship it. And rightfully so, God is very angered about this, right? Like, he literally just sent plague after plague upon Egypt. He miraculously delivered them out of slavery. And so quickly their hearts started to turn to idolatry. And so God says this in Exodus 32.10. He says this to Moses. Now leave me alone so that my anger can burn against them and I can destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. And who can blame God for wanting to, to give up on them there, Right? And, and now this is crazy. Though. Moses intercedes for them. Look at what happens in verse 11. But Moses interceded with the Lord his God. Lord, why does your anger burn against your people? You brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a strong hand. Why should the Egyptians say he brought them out with an evil intent to kill them in the mountains and wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your great anger and relent concerning this disaster you planned for your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. You swore to them by your very self and declared, I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and will give your offspring all this land that I have promised and they will inherit it forever. So the Lord relented concerning the disaster he'd said he would bring on his people. Man, 
that's a powerful prayer. It is that, that God says, hey, this is something I'm going to do. And we see that, that I, I, by the way, God is omniscient. I don't think that any of these things surprise him. So I believe the Lord was aware that Moses was going to intercede for them. But uh, there is this idea where it's like, man, if Moses hadn't interceded, I think we have every reason to believe that God would have followed through with what he was going to do initially. I think that you can be omniscient but still say, okay, depending on how this person acts, it's, it's going to impact the way that I act. And like I said, there's a lot of mystery in the way that God works sometimes. There's a lot of mystery in prayer, so I can't answer every question for you. But what I can tell you is that the scripture clearly seems to imply here that the prayer of Moses made an impact on what God did relating to the people of Israel. That's incredible. That we have the power to go before God and that, that he would actually listen to our prayers and that he would, he would be impacted by them. So, um, yeah, that's just really cool. Now, um, this doesn't mean that we can make just anything that we want to happen happen, right? There, there are things that we need to know about when we pray, how we should pray. I'm going to get to that in a second. But before we get into that, I actually want to invite some friends down here to share their experiences with prayer. So, uh, Ashley, Kath, and Katie, you guys want to come down here? Welcome on down here. <clears throat> Yeah, so uh, we've been in this series uh, just having different people come and share their experiences with the topic that we're talking about. And uh, really, I've just been asking people that um, I've really seen, and, and this doesn't mean that these are the only people I've seen this with, by the way, uh, not by any means, uh, but just where, where I've seen that they've really devoted themselves and that they've grown so much and in this uh, specific area. And so uh, these three girls are prayer warriors for our church. You can thank them. They pray for you all the time. Um, they, uh, they meet in the collegiate house early mornings oftentimes to, to pray for our church. And uh, I just want to, I, I love getting to sit with them and learn from them actually about what it is that they uh, have learned in, in praying. So I just want to ask you guys, what are, uh, like, what's maybe the most important thing or one of the biggest things that you've learned about prayer in your time following Jesus? I can start. Um... One of the biggest things I've learned about prayer is um, that through prayer you can know God's heart and God's mind. This has been something that's been super exciting for me to understand. Is like uh, a lot of things you can see what's right in front of you and you can see what's happening, but you don't have um, the ability to see what God's doing and what, how God's moving. And um, so, yeah, I believe that prayer allows you to see God's heart and mind. Um, so, like, for example, when I substitute teach, I go into a classroom, and, I mean, I can let my mind be consumed with uh, worries and just, like, uh, my inabilities and things like that, but what I'll do is I'll pray, and, and I'll put my upward focus on God and ask for his heart, and I'll say, God, like, how do you view these kids? Help me speak life into them today, and this is part of praying continually um, throughout your day, which I super encourage all of you just to, like, do that, like pray continually, like invite God into everything, but um, so I'll find the bullies and the jocks, and um, God will give me words of life and encouragement to speak to them, and it's amazing, but it's because my mind's there through prayer, um, to know God's heart, and then to know his mind is actually really awesome, too, because especially, like, with temptation, like, there's so many things that I've struggled with, like, it's just, like, um, envy, lust, like all these things. And then I go like, man, like 
prayer and thanksgiving are coupled with things. So I say, like, God, thank you for your purity. Thank you for righteousness. Thank you for filling me. Like, help me grow in these things. So it's, like, thanking him for who he is. And then it's also making a request to him as well. And because um, prayer is coupled with thanksgiving. But, like, it sets my mind on his mind and what his, like, truths and his promises are when I pray. So this is, like, praying continually for me. So every worry I go, thank you, Jesus, for who you are and your peace, you know. Praying, praying continually is like a very, very powerful thing. So mm. it's really taught me God's heart and mind. That's awesome. This, what's, what's one of the biggest things you've learned about prayer in your time following Jesus? Okay. Uh, following Jesus and praying, I've learned that it's a call to perseverance and patience. Um, and it takes faith. And... It's really important to know who you're talking to and that you are talking to Abba and that he delights in hearing what you have to say. Kind of how Grant was saying, um, like a bride and a husband, you love hearing each other's compliments. And I believe that God, he loves our voice so much. And every single day, how we wait to hear his voice, like, he is just waiting to hear our voice. And um, I've also learned that praying is, it takes practice, and it's also a risk. Um, so if you're uncomfortable at praying, don't stop trying to pray. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it's, it's cool. When we give our lives to the Lord, when we're born again, we're given a new mind, and we have the mind of Christ. Um, but it's hard, and we're still in the flesh, and so I think prayer is just a blessing from the Lord. It's like, it's the greatest thing ever, and um, it's neat that, like Katie was saying, when we pray, um, our hearts and our mind align with the Lord, and I think we see a lot of what he's doing and what he wants to say, and um, I love Psalm 37, 4, where it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart, and I think sometimes we're like, oh, cool, sweet, my desires. <laughs> um, but as we pray, I think we start to, we are literally given God's desires because our hearts and our mind are aligned with his. And we start to see around us, like, um, God's, hand in, God's hand in things and what to pray for and where to go and what to do. He is the good shepherd. He leads us. Um, but sometimes I don't think we're, that all that's going to be revealed to us until we take that step of faith and prayer and just hearing from God. Yeah, so uh, I love what you guys had to say there just about this idea of you really get to know God better, and you see that through the scriptures. I've seen that in my life, too, um, is that I just get to know who God is better through prayer. I get to know what his heart and mind are. Um, so what? how would you say that prayer uh, has impacted your life? Just briefly, like one of the biggest ways, like for example, I would say um, and I already talked about it a little bit here, humility, like of, of anything that has helped me to grow in humility, anything that's helped to attack my pride, by and large, has been prayer, because like, I can't, I can't do that on my own, right, like, I can change my behavior externally, but I can't change my heart, and so like, I've prayed to God for a pure heart, and I've seen him do that, what are, what's like, maybe the biggest, or one of the biggest ways that you've seen God impact your life through prayer? Um, that's amazing because prayer, prayer has taught me a lot about humility. Um, 
And I think it's such a biblical thing because you see often in scripture about people who are not willing to call on the name of the Lord and you get to see what happens to their towns and their cities and it's like not good. But the people who are willing to humble themselves and pray, um, God will do amazing things. Um, but for me personally, I've learned a lot about um, just prayer and humility because um, I have to recognize that I can't do it on my own. As I can't live life apart from the Lord. Um, one of these, one of the ways I've seen this in my life is I don't know if many of you know this, but um, it had been a it's been a constant struggle for me growing up and everything. I've struggled with high anxiety of just like constantly worried and wanting to be perfect in everything and not seeing myself perfect in everything. So like constantly through the day, just worry, worry, and anxiety and anxiety. Um, but praise the Lord that he uses weakness for our strength because something I've learned through prayer is like, that's just like, that's me and my humanity. Like I have to humble myself and know that I need the Lord. And so as soon as he revealed this verse that said, cast all your cares or cast all your anxieties on him for he cares for you. I started turning like every anxiety into a prayer. So I would like pray, like my anxiety would have me like think about a conversation I had and like I would overthink everything and I'd think through every word that I said. And sometimes my mind would just dwell on this conversation for like an entire week. And I couldn't even be present like living like fully or anything. Um, But as soon as I started praying, I would just like, before I had a conversation, I'd be like, okay, Lord, like, will you please bless this conversation and every word that is said? So then afterwards, I wouldn't have to worry about it. You know what I mean? So, like, I would pray that prayer, like, five times in a day, like, for every conversation I had. Um, And it was my anxiety that was just, like, it was like a prompt that, like, man, I need to pray and know that God is with me. And I need to believe in God's promises and truths for me. And I need to be there mentally. And that was prayer. Prayer and humility was what got me there of just being, like, man. I'm just going to keep on praying and just say humbly, like, I need you every moment of the day. Like, I'm fully dependent on Jesus. So. That's an amazing testimony, too, because uh, for those of you that know Katie, uh, she's probably, like, one of the most, seems to at least be, like, one of the most worry-free, like, people that I have ever met. And, and so to see that, like, prayer has had that big of an impact on, like, I was a person, a person naturally that struggles with high anxiety, and as I prayed, like, you have a, a certain confidence and freedom in the Lord that I aspire to have. And it's like, man, that's, that's such an awesome testimony about what God's done there. It's, it's God's strength made perfect in weakness. He's a fan of it. So. <laughs> um, okay, so. Uh, I keep forgetting the questions. <laughs> How's prayer impacted your life? Okay. Um, so, prayer. I think it's important, one, um, to know, like, what is happening when I pray. I know there's some scripture that says that we enter the throne of God, like we come before his throne. And so just coming to know that with prayer, because I, I used, anxiety is what led me to the Lord, like very high anxiety and um, just like fear of being alone even like physically, and um, in prayer, God has, it's his, his presence just comes over us so beautifully, and it causes you to be so still, and like, if you see after you pray, whatever confusion or anything that you were thinking before you started praying, it's just gone, and um, 
So prayer has actually made me very aware of his presence. And um, it's just left me to be so still physically and um, mentally too, obviously. But before my prayer life really started, I had so much anxiety and fear of being alone in a sense. And I was scared and worried all the time until I came to know, wow, my father hears every word I'm saying and he's right here with me. And he has his hand on my back. And um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I feel like prayer has made me a person of praise and it's made me confident in the Lord and, and, and who I am in the Lord. Um, I mean, prayer is honestly such an awesome invitation. Like it, it really is. It's, it's so cool that, um, like there is no more separation between us and God. Like there's, there's nothing. We get full access to the father's heart and he gets full access to ours. So, um, I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's an awesome, um, I mean, what's a relationship without conversation and time with another person? So it's, it's beautiful. It's an invitation. It's just something to praise about and be joyful about. <laughs> yeah. So, um, just maybe, maybe only one or two of you to share. I, I want to hear some, just like, how has God answered like a specific prayer that, that you've prayed? Well, that's a lot of things, but... Um, <laughs> Just give me one example. But one example is, um, like, and this is something that amazes me, because if you ask anything according to his will, you know that he hears you, and you know that you're going to receive what you ask for. And so I'd say an example of that, and this has been powerful to me, but I've been praying, like, over the summer and this semester for humility, and I mean, if you pray for humility, you're going to get it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and so like, I'll just like, God will take me through different seasons of life and I'll like pray for certain things like humility. And it's, it's always different no matter what season I'm going through. But in particular, this past season with humility, I've seen God like answer prayer powerfully when over the summer, the beginning of the summer, I was like, judging my family and like saying like oh we're a christian family and we're so impatient with each other how can we consider ourselves a christian family and like i would just judge a lot of things i would judge mega churches being like uh like <laughs> they don't they have some psychology and a couple verses i don't know if it's all jesus centered enough for me and um i would judge all these things and i had no humility but God was like, that's not your place, Katie. You're called to pray, love, and encourage. And I'm like, okay. So I've, like, been learning a lot about humility. And, like, you know. So I see God answer prayer in amazing ways. Like, if you pray for something like humility, if you, wherever you're struggling, if you pray for it, God's going to give it to you. Because it's according to his will to have his nature in you. Yeah. So. Yeah. Amen. Um, this is really cool. I love God. Uh, <laughs> so, I've been following Jesus for two years, and um, my family growing up, it was so rough, and, like, my family honestly didn't want anything to do with God, it was really sad, and so, anyway, two years ago, uh, my anxiety led me to God, <laughs> and 
I was like, okay, wow, this is true. You are a father and you love me. And um, I want my brother to know this because he was actually atheist at the time. And um, I was like, Josh has to know this love. Like he is so loved and he does have a father who loves him. And um, so through constant prayer for like, I just, I don't know, every day I would just pray like, God, come like, come in invade Josh or just overwhelm Josh, be so real to Josh. I used to pray that every day, be so real to Josh. And uh, that following Easter, so almost like probably a year and a half ago, he was, he came to church just to make my mom happy. And he said uh, that during the worship experience that something came over him and he couldn't stop crying, like uncontrollably crying. And he said, it was something so heavy and peaceful that laid on me and I knew it was God. So in that moment, like, I tried to not believe still, but I couldn't believe because he was just so real and tangible. And uh, I was just so blessed to see that the Spirit just went and interceded for me consistently and was already doing the work that I was praying, even though I didn't see it right away. And it just, that was like a domino effect on my family. And then later that summer, my sister and I went to camp together and she gave her life to Christ. And then (laughs) now my mom is following Jesus too. And it's just really awesome to see that. That's awesome. Praise God. So, um, yeah, this is, I, I, love, I love getting his story. We could share stories all day of, of how um, God has answered prayer. Just one I'd like to share with you briefly, because y'all are a part of it, is that this, this church is an answer to prayer. Um, I, I think about, if you know the history of this church, it shouldn't have ever survived. Um, just the, the, the way it was planted, it was like one guy down here by himself, and I remember I was down here uh, the summer, it would have been the, let's see, summer of 2009, and uh, there was, we had nothing. It was just me and this, this guy named Matt Hellerbrand, who was the initial pastor at Planted Plant the Church, and uh, the, we had nothing. I was supposed to be interning here, but there wasn't really anything to intern to do, um, so uh, what we did is we just, we walked around, we talked with people about Jesus. And, uh, and we prayed. We spent a lot of time praying. And uh, sure enough, God answered our prayers because that fall, uh, he just brought in this flood of freshmen that wanted to be a part of this church that didn't exist. And, uh, <laughs> and it, was, it was incredible. Like God just start, things started taking off, and, and uh, we are where we are today, and God's continuing to do work on this campus, and he's continuing to work in this church. So uh, that, that's just cool. It's like I look back and I say, man, like, I, the immature, young, however, what, 20-year-old or whatever it was at, at the time, um, felt like I was wasting a lot of time. Felt like I wasn't accomplishing anything. Uh, it's like, man, I can't do anything but pray. Like, I have that attitude all the time where it's like, oh, I guess it's my last resort. I guess I'll pray. Um, but, but prayer should be a first resort. And, and God just worked so amazingly through that. And, like, there's so many people now that, that have come to know Jesus in large part, like, at least in some way through the influence of this church and stuff, it's just, 
it's incredible and like all glory to God because it never should have survived. And we've had other crazy stuff happen and like the, the Lord has just continued to be glorified. So that, that's a, an answer to prayer there. All right. So one last thing, Kath, this is a question for you. Um, <laughs> just because just you didn't get to answer the last one. Um, what, what have you specifically been able to do to grow in your prayer life? Like if, if I'm sitting here and I'm saying, hey, I, I want to get better at praying. I just, it's not a part of my life. I don't really know how to do this. What has helped you to develop the prayer life that you have? And, and what advice would you give for people that want to grow in this? Yeah. Um, honestly, just falling in love with God. Um, my mind just went blank. Okay, I'll just talk. Maybe it'll come back. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of people think prayer is boring and tiring and like, well, maybe I'm not going to see something from this. But um, really, like, like it's, it's an awesome invitation. It is to talk to God. Like, they're, it, it's beautiful. And um, it's not by our own strength that we pray either. So it can't be boring because you're praying by God's strength, but it is hard sometimes. It's not always easy. Um, just like any other discipline, it's something you're going to have to grow in. You're going to have to practice in. And like Grant was saying, like, there is a spiritual battle going on. Like, it is going to be a challenge, but, um, the Lord is strong. He is praying for us. He is fighting for us, too. So resting in that and even inviting the Lord into your prayers to lead them. Um, he will do that. And, um, yeah, I think just falling in love with God, it will become so natural. Like, all you'll want to do is pray. All you'll want to do is know his heart and pray for others to see his heart and just talk to him. Um, because it's what we were made for. We were literally made to praise God. And... Um, yeah, there was a, a quote, or not a quote, I don't, a, a pastor from another church that I, a couple months ago said this, and it's really changed my mindset on a lot of things, that Jesus is not a task to be accomplished, but a relationship to be cultivated. So prayer is not a task, it's just, it's a beautiful time with the Lord. It's something he's blessed us with, and that we really need to take hold of as a church. Um, so yeah, just fall in love with God, it'll become so natural and it's awesome. <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys. Go ahead and give them a hand. <laughs> yeah, so we, uh, I want to close here just with telling you a little bit about like, man, these are some um, characteristics that our prayers should have. The, the, the way that we can pray. I just want to give you four things um, four ways that you should pray. And uh, the first is that you should pray submissively. And uh, Katie talked a little bit about this idea of like praying in the will of God. That's what I'm talking about here. Uh, Jesus modeled this for us uh, when he talked to, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying shortly before he's going to be crucified. Uh, and he's praying, he says, not as I will, but as you will. And I think sometimes we tack this onto our prayers because we doubt. That's not why we want to do this. Uh, if it's like, oh, I don't really believe God's going to do this, so I'll put this on here so that way my faith's not destroyed if it doesn't happen. That's not, when you want to, that's not how you want to pray this. Uh, but when there's a genuine heart of, Lord, I, I, I'm trying to pray as best I can what I think your will is. But if I'm off here, then I pray, like, ultimately what I really want is your will. So, like, reject what I'm saying if it's not, if it's not your will and do what you wish. That's exactly what Jesus did. 
right? Like Jesus was saying, hey, if there's any way, take this cup of wrath from me. Don't make me go get crucified. Not my will, but yours. What happened? He got crucified. The father answered his prayer because his prayer was ultimately that the will of the father would be done. And it was the will of the father for Jesus to be crucified so that we could be brought back to him. Um, you know, we also see this idea of praying in Jesus' name. I told you I'd, I'd tell you about that a little bit. Uh, in John 14, 14, Jesus says, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And so a lot of time at the end of our prayers, you'll hear, hear people say, uh, in the name of Jesus, okay? Th- that's not bad. I do that most of the time. Um, but that's, th- it's not like a magic phrase, okay? Well, what matters more is that you're actually praying in the name of Jesus. And what that means is that when you're praying, you're doing it in such a way that this is the stuff Jesus would be asking for. You know, so if I come to you in the name of whoever, like I, I come to you in the name of this king or something, I- I'm coming in a way that it's like, hey, this is the message that that king wanted me to bring you. And so when I start to pray in the name of Jesus, it's like, man, my will and what I'm praying for is so in line with what Jesus wants that, that this is how I'm able to, that I'm doing that. That's, that's my prayer. And so naturally it makes sense that, of course, if we pray in his name, he will do it. Um, so some of this really comes down to how do we start to learn what it is to pray in Jesus' name? Like, how, how do we know what the will of God is? Because if that's the case, then we want to pray in line with that. And so there's a couple ways. I mean, one is uh, get into the Bible, right? As you read the scripture, as you pray through scripture, uh, you'll know this is the will of God. Katie talks some about that. Where it's like, man, God wants to cultivate uh, his character within us. He wants to make us more like himself. So if I'm praying for things like that, like humility or something, guess what? God's going to answer that prayer. That's why James said, uh, if any of you lacks wisdom, pray for it. God will give it to you. Why? Because God wants you to be wise. Now, there are some other times that this can be a little bit tricky. Uh, I pray for people's salvation a lot, and uh, it's definitely, the Bible says, God wills that all men would be saved. Um, One note about that is that at the same time, though, I I believe that God has has given us some amount of autonomy in our decision with that, and that becomes a whole other conundrum that we could talk about another time, but uh, there's some complexity that's involved there, that even though God wants all people to be saved, that there's still some aspect of human responsibility in that, and so I, I think that when it's both God's will that they would be saved and both also his will that they would have the ability to choose. So it's like when the two things inherently come in conflict with each other, it might not be as simple. Hopefully I didn't just confuse you with that. But um, anyway, we want to start to learn what the will of God is and to pray with that. So praying through scripture is a great idea. Um, another way is that we start to listen. Uh, the more time you spend in prayer, as the girls were already talking about this, you will uh, get to know who God is better. And I was going to share a passage with you that I don't have time for. It comes from Acts 10. But if you want to go read that, it's an awesome passage. There's this guy named Cornelius. Uh, doesn't know the Lord, but he's praying. And, and the Lord gives him this vision. And, and he gets this vision. Why? Because he was praying. So as he was praying, the Lord actually teaches him what to pray for. And, and, and then God comes and answers his prayer, and he gets saved along with his household. It's a really cool story. Acts chapter 10, if you want to look that up on your own. But the other thing that we want to do, not just pray uh, submissively to the will of God, but we want to pray confidently, okay? We need to believe that we're coming before a God that actually has the power to do what we're asking, that he wants to do what we're asking. Now, the only way that we can have this kind of confidence, though, is if we know that we're praying in his will. But if we're praying in his will, then we can have great confidence. Uh, Look at what Jesus says here in Mark 11. I assure you, if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, 
all the things you pray and ask for. Believe that you have received them and you will have them. Okay, so notice the, the phrasing there. Believe that you have received them. There's such a confidence that you can pray past tense. Like, I've already got this, even though it hasn't happened. That's the kind of confidence that we're supposed to pray with. I'll be honest, I have a long way to go in growing with this, okay? This is one of those instances where it's like, hey, I'm bringing you the scripture. This is the word of the Lord. I need help with this, okay? I need help in praying this, this confidently. But this is how Jesus teaches us to pray. We also need to pray obediently, okay? And what I mean by this is that our, our lives need to be obedient to Jesus. If we, if we want uh, God to answer our prayers, then we should be people that also live lives that are reflective of actually wanting his will to be done, okay? And so a lot of that reflects in our behavior. You look at Psalm 66, verses 18 through 19, says, If I had cherished iniquity, that's sin, in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly God has listened, he has attended to the voice of my prayer. The Bible does teach us that, that sin hinders our prayers, okay? Now, if you are a Christian, your sin has been paid for on the cross, and you are not guilty of your sin before God. However, that does not mean that sin will cease to have some of the temporal effects that it has in your life, okay? So if you're a Christian, and you make a mistake, and you, let's say that you go out and drive drunk, and you get into a crash, you kill somebody, whatever, you're forgiven of that before the Lord. But you still have to deal with the consequences of your sin there. Like, you have to deal with the fact that you're going to go to jail. You have to deal with the fact that you killed somebody and they're not coming back. Like, even though we are forgiven of the eternal consequences of our sin in Jesus, sin does have naturally temporal destructive consequences. And one of those things is hindering our prayers. So even though you're, you're free of guilt before God, if you choose to harbor sin in your life, First off, God's going to attack that if you're actually one of his children. But second, like, it, it will hinder your prayers. And we see this in other places too. Uh, Peter t- tells husbands to treat their wives well so that their prayers wouldn't be hindered. So, um, man, the, here's the good news. If you have sin in your life that's hindering your prayers, then confess it. Confess it to the Lord. Confess it to others. Repent of that. God wants to forgive right? That's this whole idea I was just talking about why Jesus went and died on the cross so that we could be forgiven. So man, if you've got sin that you're harboring in your heart that's hindering your prayers, I encourage you, confess it today. Repent of that today. Get that stuff out of your life. And then finally, I would say that we need to be people who pray continually. Okay? Uh, Prayer should really be part of our lifestyle. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that we should pray without ceasing. And uh, this is teaching us that prayer should be conversational in nature, at least sometimes. Now, I do believe that we need to have deep times of of secluded prayer where it's like, hey, I'm going to get away, and it's going to be nothing but me and God. I'm going to devote myself fully to this. We see Jesus do that a lot in the scripture. But we also see this idea of praying continually. Both kinds of prayers should be in our lives. And some of the girls were talking about this too, just this idea of like, cool, as I'm going about my day, I'm praying to the Lord throughout the day. He's with me, right? Jesus told us in the Great Commission, surely I'm with you always, uh, even to the end of the age. He's with us. That means we can talk to him. That, that means that as you're seeing stuff, as you're worrying about stuff, whatever it is, you can talk to him. So let prayer be something that you do continually throughout your day. And also when I say continually, I mean don't stop in praying for things that you believe you're supposed to be praying for. 
Perseverance is a major quality of prayer in the scriptures. Uh, Jesus talks a lot about this. He tells a parable about it, which we're not going to read, but I do want you to see Luke 18, 1, where it says, uh, Jesus speaking here, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. We so oftentimes give up on prayer, right? Like, I'm guilty of this. I'll get excited about praying something, and I'll pray for it for a week, maybe two weeks, and then later on I've forgotten about it. And then we say, oh, well, God didn't answer my prayer. Well, I, I, that's, not, that's not really how prayer works. Like, part of, part of prayer is doing so consistently. And so if you've given up on praying, you can't say that God didn't answer your prayer, okay? Now, um, there, there are reasons sometimes for why God may be holding back on, on what you would call answering your prayer, okay? Uh, there may be reasons for why he doesn't do things exactly what you want, and it probably relates back to one of the four things that we talked about. Well, first, it could relate to, are you a Christian? That's the first thing you need to know. Are, are you forgiven of your sin, and can you enter before God's throne? And if not, then I encourage you to do that today, to repent of your sin and say, I put my faith in Jesus for the, goodness, for the forgiveness of my sins. That allows you to come before God and your prayers will be heard. But, but second, if you're saying, man, I've just been praying and God hasn't answered this. I would, I would say there's a good chance that one of those four things I was talking about is off. So maybe you're not praying in the will of God. You know, ask yourself that question. Am I praying according to the will of God? Do I know what his will is? Start to learn that better. Um, Second question to ask yourself, am I praying in faith and confidence? Maybe you're, you're saying the words, but you don't really believe or have faith that that's going to happen. Uh, do I have sin in my life that is hindering my prayers? And then finally, am I losing heart? Do I need to just keep asking? Is God trying to teach me perseverance here? You know, sometimes you're praying for something you think is the will of God, and God will later reveal to you that that's not actually what he wanted. This happened to the Apostle Paul. Uh, he prayed consistently for God to remove the thorn in his flesh. You know what Paul said? You know what God said? No, I'm not going to do it. But he taught Paul that it was because he wanted to keep that thorn there to stop Paul from becoming conceited. Sometimes God allows even bad things or things to stay in our lives because he has a purpose for what he's trying to do with them. So I would encourage you guys, man, uh, ask yourselves these questions. If we're, we're going to enter into a time of musical worship here, and uh, just over that time, I want you guys to, to think through these questions. Use this as a time of prayer. You know, you can, you can, even as you're singing, as we're singing to God, that's a way of praying to him. Uh, if you want prayer, every week this is available, by the way. We have people will be back there at the doors in the back and around the lamps. They have these little lanyards on them that say prayer team grab one of those people. They would love to pray with you. If you want to start a relationship with Jesus, you want to invite God uh, to, to, into your life, you want to be forgiven of your sin, go pray with one of those people. Maybe there's, just, maybe there's sin that you need to confess that's hindering your prayers. Go confess that with them, and they will pray for you. Uh, maybe there's just something else in your life that, that you need prayer for, whatever it is. Maybe you don't even know, and you just know that you need someone to pray for you. I do that sometimes. Um, go up and ask them to pray for you, okay? Uh, so they'll, they'll be back there in the back. Um, but I'm going to ask you to pray with me, and then uh, the band can come down, and, and we'll go into our time of worship. God, we thank you uh, for hearing us. We know that you hear our prayers. Uh, we know that um, you care about us. We know that 
Uh, you want to give us good gifts. We know that ultimately you want to give us yourself. You want to teach us the desires of your heart. You want to give those to us. So Lord, I just pray that you'd continue to shape us into the people that you want us to be. God, let our songs be pleasing to you here. Let our prayers be pleasing to you. Uh, we love you. We thank you for interacting with us. And uh, we lift up this prayer in your son's awesome name. Amen.